chapter 6, if you will. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we'll, as everybody's moving out, we'll uh, continue here looking. Uh, we've been looking at the provisions given to us by God, and we've been looking at the armor, and we've been looking at uh, different aspects, really, over the last couple uh, of weeks. Verse number 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That is where everything starts, is being strong in the Lord. And again, we went back in the, into chapter 1 uh, of Ephesians, and we saw in verse 3 through 14, where our strength is. Our strength lies in who we are in Christ. It does not lie in your strength. It does not lie in your energy, in your effort. It lies in that identity that we have in Christ. Again, chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. And then we looked at the issue of, and in the power of His might. And that has to do with the rest of chapter 1, verse 15 to the end. And that has to do with an understanding of what God's doing today and the fact that you and I are vital, integral components and pieces in that plan for the heavenly places. And then we got into the issue of the armor, and we, we looked at those pieces. And I want to go with you this morning back into verse 18, because we looked about, we talked about prayer, uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And I want to pick up on that, those last two words. All saints. And I, I, I think there's really a, another provision here that Paul is, is making a reference to that isn't really in the armor, but rather it's, it is a provision of God. And that has to do with the local church. Where are the saints? All the saints. And in the book of Ephesians, you, you see him talk about when us, we, the, the, the church as collective, as a corporate body, but also as the saints. And that play, the place where God has designed in the age of grace, the dispensation of grace for the work of the ministry, if you come back into chapter 4, just here real, real quick, chapter 4, verse number 12, uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. And in that issue of the work of the ministry, the place where we're going to have the perfecting take place, the place where the edifying is going to happen in tangible, real things. We all have a book. We all go home. We can all study. We can understand Romans. We start at the foundation, and we move, and we continue building. We, we, can under, we can see that. We can look at Romans 16, 25, and we can see the building. He says, hey, we're going to start here with the issue of grace and my gospel, okay? And we, can, we understand that in the book of Romans, and we get that, and we lay that in, and we lay those four component pillars in, in our foundation there. And, and, and he talks there about the issue of, in chapters 1 to 5, our justification, then in chapters 6 through 8, our identity. And then in chapters 9 through 11, uh, the dispensational setting of today. And not Israel, but the body. You're not spiritual Israel. Don't let somebody tell you that you're the body. And then he comes over in 12 to 16, and he, and he gives us some practical application of all of this in, in our daily lives. And he begins to educate us about that reasonable service that we're to have as ambassadors for Christ. And the fact is, is that you and I, we don't understand a lot of what the will of God is at this level. 
He lays it in. That's why in Romans 8, he'll say, you don't, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Why? You're just learning. I know folks for uh, over the years uh, being around ministry and people and, they, and, and hear them say, the first thing that I lost when I came to understand right division was my prayer life. Why? Because we've been over in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John doing what? Naming it and claiming it. You know, begging, get, seeking it, and there it is. And now you're telling me he's not working that way. So now what do I do? Well, well, Romans, you're, you're just learning. And then he comes in, and the next great book of doctrine is that book of Ephesians, Romans 16, 25. You might as well look there. We're off the notes already, so might as well hold on. Romans 16, verse 25. Paul talking here, Now to him that is of power to establish you, Romans chapter 1, he says, I want to establish you and so that we have a mutual faith here so that when I come and we talk, we're on the same ground. Romans 1.11, e, established, set it up, get it built in. Now at the end, he says, you're stable, established. You're not going to be tossed to and fro. Then he says, according to my gospel, there's the grace. Then he says, according to what? The preaching of Jesus Christ, but how? According to the revelation of the mystery. You see, we preach Christ just not as His earthly ministry. We preach Christ in His, his mystery ministry, His heavenly ministry. So we come into the book of Ephesians. Now, we're not ignoring Corinthians and Galatians because they've got jobs to do as well. By the way, all of the epistles are doctrine. Okay? It's all doctrine. Sound doctrine. Form of sound words, Paul will call it. But each of the epistles has a job to do. In Corinthians and Galatians is the reproof and the uh, the, re, uh, the reproof and the correction stuff. They will work. They're going to work in line with this. Okay, you with me? All right. Ephesians. The uh, is the next doctrine, and he's going to talk in that great book about the goal, the preaching of. Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. And the fact is, is that's just the facts of it. Here's the goal. Here's what he's doing. Here's why is he forming the church, the body of Christ? What is he doing? Why in the world would he ever interrupt that program that was ready to, for him to set up his kingdom on the earth? Why would he do that? Why in the world would God the Father look at the Son and the Holy Spirit and say, now when we get right here, we're going to throw a monkey wrench in all of it. Watch. Why would he? Well, because he's got another realm to deal with and to answer. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Two realms. You're, you're the Godhead or dispensationalist before you even heard the word. They were rightly dividers way before. And the earth was without form. And from Genesis 1-2 down to the end of the book of Acts chapter number 8, it's all about the earth. And in Acts 9, we have a change. Now we're going to talk about the heavens. So then we're going to talk about the goal. What's the purpose? What's the plan? What's the, what is the, the whole structure here? Now, Coloss or Philippians and Colossians are going to answer some bad behavior in light of the head, bad doctrine in light of the head. By the way, Corinthians and Galatians are babies. They are children. Whoops, there's an L. Children. 
Do you know who the Philippians are? They're adults. They're mature. That word perfect, he calls the Philippians perfect. Not perfect and sinless and never mess up. Perfect in maturity. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for what? Instruction in righteousness. That. Why? Why is 3.16 so important? That the man of God may be what? Perfect. There's a punctuation mark there, a comma. What is perfect? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Mature. And he says, hey, look, guys, this is what we're doing. We don't get together for social club hour. Sorry. Now, by the way, social club hour is a byproduct of why we get together. Okay? We had the men's fellowship yesterday. Had the ladies, uh, the women's fellowship last Sunday. Great times of what? Fellowshipping. But that isn't what we're here to do. That is a byproduct of why we're here to do what we're here to do. What are we here to do? We're here to preach the word. We're here to study. We're here to, what? well, Ephesians, by the way, I didn't mean to fin- not skip out in verse 25. Uh, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Something kept secret since the world began, Genesis 1.1, and now made manifest. That means it has never, ever, 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 ever been talked about. Period. That is not the cross. The cross has been talked about over the ages. The meaning of the cross has been hidden, now revealed. But the fact that God was going to go to the Gentiles outside of the nation of Israel has never, never, ever, 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 ever been talked about. And the passages that the preachers say is what he's talking about. Don't pay attention to the context of the passage that they say he's talking, just tomfoolery. But what are they doing? They just, they got their agenda. Okay? My agenda, by the way, is this book and what's going on in it. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, verse 26, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known for, made known to who? All nations. Why does the Lord in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say that that he's come to save the many? This says all. Problems. The robot says in Lost in Space, problems will rob him. Danger, danger, danger. What's going on? Here we are. For the obedience of faith. So then there's another tier. Because what comes after Colossians? The book of the Thessalonians. And there's our glory. And there's how it all fits in. By the way, there are no reproof and corrective books after Thessalonians because you're in heavenly places. You're in the new body, you're good to go. You're perfect, without blemish, without blame, unmovable, you're there. But we have other books, don't we? We have Timothy, we have Titus, and we have Philemon. They put the house on it, the rooftop on the, on the house. In Ephesians, he says that the, uh, uh, Ephesians 2 built on the, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Right? Well, Israel had their apostles and prophets. The bodies got theirs. He built this with Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's building this under Paul's. 
We're, we're, we're the addition to. We've always been on the blueprint, though, that he just kept secret. The theme in these is the ultimate theme of godliness. That's where we're headed. That's what we're after. Go back to Ephesians 6. When we come together, the provision that God has established with the ministry of the local assembly. Where is the perfecting of the saint? Where is the work of ministry? Where is the edifying of the body? Where is that designed to take place? Yes, it is designed. We're in Ephesians. We're in advanced doctrine here. We're not in Romans. Romans, he's laying in that foundation of Christ, of, of, of grace. In Ephesians, he says, now it's time to talk about the exceeding riches of his grace. Let's get the next level here. 618. I don't know where you're at. I don't even know where I'm at. 618. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, now watch, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When, when we think about the provisions of God and how God, He's provided a mechanism, a vehicle. It's called the local assembly, the local church. And that, church, the, that local assembly is the place for the authoritative teaching of the sound doctrine. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of protection. It's, it's, a, it's a place where, where we can come in in a life laboratory and work the doctrine out. You think about the doctrine of forgiveness. I hope you understand that you've been forgiven. Therefore, you can do what? Forgive. But do you know that forgiving an unsaved person is on a completely lower level than forgiving another member of the body of Christ? Because when he talks about the doctrine of forgiveness, he's not talking about your relationship with the world. He's talking about your relationship right here between the walls. Well, how can, you, how can I take that doctrine, learn it, Get it in there, and then go work it out. First place it's going to work is in your home with your spouse. And then children, if you have children. That's where it's designed to work. That's why in Ephesians 5 and 6, he doesn't go downtown to, to uh, the Capitol building. He doesn't go to the convention centers. He goes where? Right into your home. Because that's where this is designed to so as we think about and look at some things here this morning and that provision, I, 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 I'm an okay guy. This isn't about me, okay? It take, I'll be honest with you. It takes men to say we're going to do this. But where, do we, where does that come? Look over at 1 Timothy 3. I, I've often thought about this and so forth. And, and again, I'm a little off here on the passage, but we'll get back on it. You see, folks, the local assembly, it, its primary goal is to be a place of teaching the sound doctrine. Out of that, once you learn the sound doctrine, once you have this house built into your inner man, then out of that is going to flow 
all of the other things of life, the fellowshipping, the potlucks, all the getting togethers, the having supper and lunch with each other away from here, the camaraderie. Why? Because we're in the same battle. We're in the same muck. We're in the same, and here you go, you got somebody that's on the same mindset as you. I didn't say agree 100%, but understand the word rightly divided. And you know what you kind of do? You tend to drift towards them and say, hey, <laughs> hey, can we, you know, can we hang out? You know, why? Because they're of what? Like-mindedness. See, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. You see that word desire? Now, back in the day, that was a gift given. I get it, but not today. The completed word of God stops the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is clear. They cease. Why? We got the fullness. We got the full. We got the unity of the faith. We got all of it right here. And what happens now is, is it takes men to say, you know what? We're going to do this. And then you go and do it. And what does that do? Now you begin to draw in others, right? I remember the day we started back in our living room. We were just doing what we thought. I think back at that, I was looking at some pictures at home, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. If I saw that, I don't even know if I would ever go back, you know. Well, it was just, we, it, was, it, was, it was odd in the picture, huh? Perfect, exactly, okay? Nick was, Nick was there, <laughs> one of the early day guys, actually in the beginning, you know what? But see, when you think about it, and you go, wow, look at that, you know, you just, it's not about me. It's about what? The doctrine, the message. And as we look here and we think about this, the local church is where we can work out the doctrines amongst ourselves. I hope you understand the grace of God in your life. He took you, a miserable, low down, dirty, rotten scoundrel, and saved you. And gave you his identity. Then he says, oh, and by the way, you need to get together with a bunch of other low down, no good, dirty, rotten scoundrels that I saved. So that you can then rub elbows with each other. So when you do that, well, then what should you do? You should, never, you should never be surprised when I let you down. I am never surprised when you let me down. Why? Because I know who you are. Because I am too. I know there are days when you wake up and wish you were never saved, and could curse God and die, Job. I have had the same thoughts. Oh, my goodness, a preacher. I'm a man of like passions just like you are. I know what it is to get in the middle of something and wish you could finish it out, but you can't because you got church the next day, and you got study, and you got, and you got to stop. Why? I've been there. But what, what do we have in the commonality? Who we are in Christ. And when we look at that, the local assembly is where we're going to practice, where we're going to train, where we're going to develop our craft, where we're going to take our armor and hone it in. You can't do that in the world. It doesn't work. I was watching the football games yesterday, the Eagles game. The quarterback of the Eagles and one of the wide receivers for the Eagles played with each other at the University of Alabama. And there was a play in the first half, and it was. And I told Linda, I said, that looks just like Hurst, the Smith, roll tide, touchdown. Now, it was Eagles and wasn't a touchdown, so, but 
And I'm sitting there, and it got me to thinking about this morning. When you go practice football and you study and you get ready for the game, you don't go to the baseball stadium. Where do you go? To the football stadium. So if I'm going to hone my armor, I'm going to put my armor on, all those pieces, and I'm going to pull my sword, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, you know where I'm not going to be? In the world. It won't work. Where do I have to be? i got to be in a local assembly that's preaching and teaching the stuff I'm learning and moving forward. You follow that? That's why this place needs to be valuable to you. Not because Rick's a great guy. Now I'm a great guy. But not because of Rick, but because of the doctrine of what we're doing here. The work of ministry. Come over to 1 Timothy. You're in Timothy. You're in chapter 3. Look at what what he's going to do. Again, the, the great thing about God's grace is that we all come to this message and we understand that we're sinners, we're low down, we're no good in of ourselves. But who we are in Christ has brought us into, He's put us into the family of God, He's made us ambassadors, He's given us a job to do, and we're going to go do that with the, the mindset and we're going to do it together. When we were in COVID and we shut down for a couple, we- couple weeks, I guess it was about a month, Okay? Really, we did it for the neighborhood. Okay? Now, you can say yay, nay, whatever you want to say. I don't really care. I don't need to hear it, by the way. I'll be honest with you. I get emails from grace believers all the time. You know what I do? I email them back and say, please remove me from your email list. Because I'm tired of it. It doesn't matter. Listen, if you were to die today, where would you go? Where? Where? Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, what I, you know, I don't, no, stop. That's between you and your family and God. Okay? In that, we were shut down. Get off that little stump. We were in that, we were in, and and I did a message about it's time to get back together. Why? Because we're designed to be together. By the way, man is designed to be together. We are. But when we do that, we're not doing it. There's a purpose to it. That's my point. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. By the way, in 1 Timothy 3, Paul lays out the properly organized local assembly. The local Bible study is not local assembly. Sorry. Internet ministry is not local assembly. Sorry, I'm for it. We got it. I'm with it. And there's folks all over this world that sit and listen. They sit and watch YouTube. They don't have a local assembly, and we're that lifeline. I get it. I praise the Lord that they're there. I praise the Lord that in this country we can still do that, because in other places you can't. I get that. But that's not local church. Local church is when we what? Come together. So Paul in 1 Timothy says, here's what... Here's the, here is the agency that God designed for the propagating, for the learning, for the movement of this. It's in a local assembly. When you have bishops, and then in verse 8, likewise must the deacons be grave. So what do we have? We have the roles of the men in the local assembly. What roles are they to take? Leadership. Now, again, for me, verse 1 is the big one. You've got to desire it because it's no fun being in leadership. You're scrutinized. Well, they should never scrutinize. Baloney, get over it. They, you are. 
You're looked at, you're, you, you understand that, okay? But then in verse 14, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. You see how he says, listen, you're gonna, the proper order of the local assembly is, the, is for the men to be in the leadership roles. Ladies, you have roles too, and he deals with them. He doesn't leave you out, okay? But he says when you do that, when you come together, the goal is that the church there of the living God, the house of God, it's always fascinated me, the house of God, because I know guys don't have a church building, can't have, but yet there's a house of God right there, you know, okay. Because when we come, when we leave this building, you know what this is? Just a building. I watched the other night on the security cameras, a guy tried to break into the house next door. What if he'd have got in? He'd, he'd have took what he took, and that would have been it. Why? It's just stuff. But when we come here, what is it? It's the house of the living God. Moved in, see? It's, so we're not talking about the buildings. Now, the buildings are great. Don't get me wrong. I spent many a day, many a weekend, loading up the chairs. I have a trailer specifically designed for toting the church stuff. I had a, we had a big van growing up with the twins and the, actually the triplets, the three of them. And of half of the, on Sunday, the whole back end was church stuff. We'd get it out, walk it in, set it up, tear it down. We did it every Sunday for about 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 years. You just do what you're going to do. Why? Because when we come together, what are we? We're in the pillar and the ground of the truth. The local church is the vehicle where the work of the ministry is going to be done. You go over there to Acts 14, you don't have to turn there. It's not, uh, we don't, have, for time-wise, and you begin to see the, actually, we'll look at Acts 14 next week. Come back, flip over to Philippians 1 with me. And you see the, the basic uh, outline of doing the work of the ministry, Philippians 1. The Apostle Paul would go into a territory, by the way, very specific areas. Corinth, Rome, the capital of the world. He'd see unsaved people get saved. And then he, he would see those folks, he would get them edified, built up in the doc, sound doctrine. Then they would establish a local church there with bishops and deacons. And then he would, they would go, and then they would expand out and enlist others and, and keep growing. Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Notice who's there first, the saints. Where did, where did the bishops and deacons come from? They came out of the saints. They came from the men of the, that, that assembly, from the Philippian jailer in Acts 16. And they came and they said, we're going to take the leadership role. And they went and they did it. And when you look here at the local, go, go back to 1 Timothy 3. Sorry, I should have told you to stick something in there. Notice what the local church is going to it's supposed to look like. When you look around religion, you see a lot of churches. But here's the properly, the, funct the properly functioning church. What is it? It's the house of God, the, ch the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the men's fellowship, of the women's fellowship, of charity. There's another one, by the way. 
You guys just don't love over there enough. Do you know that charity comes out of maturity? It doesn't come out of babies. It comes out of adults understanding the doctrine and growth. Charity is love in action. It's caring about people and movement and act. Well, and I'm like, okay, whatever. We're, we're not commending uh, the truth to you, so love you. It's the pillar and the ground of what? The truth. The pillar. It holds up the truth for all to see and to hear. Here's the truth. Why do you think on the website, by the way, the, the website, the front page when you first read it, Nick wrote that actually years ago. It was great, so we just moved, used it. We, now, I've given him credit. I, I don't give him credit on the website because I don't, okay? But what, what do we do? We, when we come together, why do you think on the website is a King James Bible is in there? We could hide it. I know churches that do. Why? Because we want people to know something when they come here that what are they going to get? They're going to get the King James Bible. Why do you think we have a, we talk about on the overhead, a gospel that you can understand, a gospel you can believe. Paul's my gospel. Those five things there that we're about. A Bible you can read, a King James Bible. A study you can understand, understanding the issues of rightly dividing the word. A life you can live, the God life. The, I'm sorry, the grace life. And then a purpose you can fulfill, understanding who you are. They're listed back there by the pens on the little sheets. Why do we do that? Why do we promote? Because we want everyone to understand that if they're looking for the truth, where are they going to find it? Where can they find it? They can find it right here in this local area. Now, again, I know the Internet's out there. I get that. <laughs> Dear brother in Norway, keep preaching. You know, Okay, but he's, in, he's where? He's in Norway. <laughs> okay? The only way I'm ever going to see the guy is if he comes where? Here, because I'm not going there, mate, you know, more than likely, right? But the thing is, is here's the truth. The pillar, the ground. I love that, the ground. That's, what's, that's where the pillar is in. The ground is going to keep the sound doctrine the issue. By the way, if you keep the sound doctrine the issue, do you know what you do with the ground underneath the pillar? You keep it clear of debris. You keep it in order. You keep it landscaped. You keep it secure. You understand that. You go around and see a, a, a building that's been abandoned, and you know what happens? The earth takes it back over. Not in, not man, when, here we are, we're holding the truth up. So what are we going to do? The folks there, they go, we're going to keep everything clear and clean, unencumbered. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, because our goal is the truth. 1 Thessalonians 1. What are we doing here? When we're functioning properly, you know what we're shouting out? You know what we're sounding out? The truth. We're holding it up. We got the ground established. The other day, Linda said, hey, I want this plant uh, planted. Plant, planted. Plant put in the ground. I go out there, it's hard as rocks. I'm like, we're going to wait because it's supposed to rain. So I waited the rain. And then it rained and rained and rained. And guess what? Then I go out there with the shovel, and you know what I was able to do? Dig a little easier. Plant the plant. What, what do we do? You're, you're, you keep that ground secure. Thinking about the local assembly. We're sounding out the truth. Look at these guys. 1 Thessalonians 1. Look at verse 6. And ye, 
That's the, those at Thessalonica, those at Thessalonica. So we're in Acts 18 at time frame. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You ought to go back and read Acts 18 and what was going on. The, the men of the lewd basers and they're chasing Paul. And Paul says, right in the middle of all of that persecution, you know what you guys did? You received us. You understood that the message and the ministry given to me the apostle, as the Apostle Paul was different than Peter and the other boys. You received us and the Lord. You knew where the Lord was. The Lord was what? Hey, you know, you know if, if you ask Peter later in Acts, where should I go to get saved? You know what he would send you? To Paul. Why? They know. They acknowledge it. It's there. And Paul says, you did that, verse 7, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. Now watch, from from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. That's more than mission work. That's guys standing there in a local assembly in Thessalonica, a, a, a wealthy city, a prominent thoroughfare through, the, through that part of the area. On the, on the map, and you know what they're doing? They're holding up the truth that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and it's faith and faith alone in that event, period. Nothing else, no works, no adding to it, and then there's a life you can come over here and live as who you are in Christ. And they're holding that up, and you know who comes through? Some guy out from Macedonia, he gets saved, he hears about it, he takes off, and what's he doing in his hometown? Same thing. Then you, got, then you get the little couple that are over there visiting from Thessalonica, and they're sitting there at the restaurant, and they're talking to the waitress, and the next thing you know, she gets, eh? and now we got, and you just, what do you do? You just, boom, boom, but what are they sounding out? The truth. They're not sitting over here going, hey, we got this wonderful church and a program for you to join. They're like, no, we got the truth. Here's the truth. And they're sounding it out. And they're going and they're doing. And they're work. But where did that come from? It came from that local assembly in Thessalonica. Doing what? Teaching the word. Learning it, standing it, growing in it. I don't know everything. And some of you think I do, but I don't. I learn. I study. We started looking, come over to Romans 12. Yesterday, in the men's fellowship, and the, the, the issue of the doctrine of the do, of, of the Godhead, the Trinity, and so forth, I've been looking at that for the last ten years. Just now, am I comfortable with teaching it? Because that'll tell you why. Because there's stuff in there that, man, if you say it the wrong way, whoo, you're a Mormon. You say it this way, whoo, you're a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, you got so you got to what? Be careful. So we started that, and we'll see if I don't end up in Mormonism. I won't, but that's, you know, because of what, what have they done? They have co-opted the truth and made it into something. Anyway, Romans 12. i gotta, we got to keep going or else I'll have no kneecaps from the folks in the, uh, the nursery. Romans 12. So the first issue in the local assembly is to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Sound out the truth. In this local community, and you guys understand, you, I, you know, for we have some new folks with us. I always ask, how'd you find us? Because I want to know. But then it's always interesting to hear how they found us. 
because what are we doing? Here, we're over here. We're the goofies. We're the goofballs. Okay? Holding up the truth. Romans 12, if you look there at verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're talking about the internal ministry of the local assembly. Because once you come in, my dad always told me, he says, Rick, people come in broken. Our job is to put them back together the best we can. Why? Because you come in, you hear about your Savior, you get saved, you begin to come to the knowledge of the truth. By the way, that's the will of God for everybody is to get saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2. It's what he wants. And you know what begins to happen? Things begin to fall apart. Different perspective on life gets showed to you. Sometimes it's hard, hard to grasp, hard to get. But I'm going to tell you what, how can I weep with you if you're not here? And how can I rejoice with you if you're not here? I don't read your mind. You don't read mine. So then what do you need to be? You need to be here. So what can we do? We can come up and, again, out of the doctrine learned, do what? Give you the big old bear hug you need, physically or metaphorically, okay? First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, you know the passage. Blessed be God, even the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of comfort and the God of all, the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort. Now watch, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort whereof we ourselves are comforted of God. There's comfort in the truth. When life hits you, isn't it wonderful to know that God's not testing you? Oh, he's not. No, Paul says things that happen to you are common to man. That's wonderful to know that I, when Romans 5 says that I have peace with God, that means I have peace with God. He's not getting me. That means that when life hits me, it's life hitting me. And I can put it where it belongs. And I don't blame God for my, usually my bad decisions. Okay? What can I do? I can, I can, I have comfort in that. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, now watch, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is the effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation. That's wonderful too. What great comfort to know that I have a pattern, the Apostle Paul, that he says, look at what happens to me That'll give you the fortification, the confidence to get through it too. Because verse 8, For we, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of your, our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength in so much that we desired, uh, I'm sorry, that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death. In our, uh, have you ever been that way, where all you think the next step is death? Paul did. And Paul, great comfort in looking at my apostle, saying, wow, if he can get through it, again, verse 10, or at the end of verse 9, but in God who ra which raises the dead. Isn't, if you're dead, if you die, what's God going to do to you? Raise you up. Great comfort. I know, Rick's a little morbid. I get it. But, man, that's wonderful. I don't have to worry about dying. It's not on the table of worry. Now, I know what happens. It's the next verse. 
who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trusted that he will yet deliver us. How did God deliver you? How did God deliver you? He gave you the truth. He gave you the word of God that says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. He gave you the word, the truth, the doctrine. He doesn't reach down and manipulate the situation, does he? He's working through his word in you. Man, what great comfort that is. So then in the middle of it, what can I do? I don't have to go, okay, Lord, if this is your will, move this and do that. He's not going to do that. He says, look, your will is, my will for you is that you get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Come over to Acts 20. So there's an internal ministry of the local assembly. Again, we go out to the swap meet, pass tracts out. That's internal ministry. What's the motivation? Understanding the doctrine. We have the men's fellowship, the ladies' fellowship, the kids, all the Sundays. Where does that come from? Well, it's just tradition. You guys do it. Baloney. Because if we just did it because of tradition, then we wouldn't be doing it because we just wouldn't be doing it. We make them sit in here. We do it out of the doctrine. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul is meeting with the elders at F, uh, from Ephesus. They're on Miletus. Verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What is the over... What are the elders to do? What are the bishops and the deacons to do? We're feeding the church. What are we feeding the, the local church? We're giving them the doctrine. Here's the structure. Here's the, the understanding. You can draw it differently. It doesn't matter to me. It's going to end up being the same. Keep reading. Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, and of uh, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Another area of the local church is a place of protection because who's coming the adversary is coming the attack is coming from within and from without what are you going to do you're going to guard you're going to be you're going to have a place of protection you follow that come over to second corinthians chapter four. Second corinthians chapter four a few years ago many many years ago actually now we were on baseline meeting and I went to a seminar on church marketing. And in that seminar, and the big boys do this, you understand that. How many of you know? remember Trinity Baptist? They are now not that anymore. They are one church or one world or one something now. Complete changeover. You know what that's called? Marketing. The numbers are down. The giving is down. They build big buildings. they got to redo. Now it's, they've, but somewhere in their documentation, it'll say, Baptist. You go back down here on 13th Ave, back to Mill, the church on the mill. You look at their sign, it says the church on the mill. And right in the bottom right-hand corner, it says SBC. You know what that stands for? Southern Baptist Convention. 
You know why it's not any, it's just three little letters over here? Because as soon as you say Southern Baptist Convention, you get a preconceived idea, and they don't want that. They want everybody to come in so then they can do their thing. You know why Bible's in the middle of our name? We teach the Bible. You know why fellowship is there? Because we fellowship around that. Do you know why Southwest? Well, where do we live? Duh. Okay. All right. You know? But see, the thing is, is that's marketing. That's shifting. That's not being honest. That's not being true. So in that seminar, I was, you know, you hear things. And it, have a church verse. Have a church ministry verse. So I got to perusing and thinking about it. And 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 2 comes up. But start in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, boy, what a list. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So that became our ministry verse. What are we going to not do? We're not going to, I mean, look at that. Hand, hidden things of, we're going to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. We are to, the doctrine teaches us to provide all things honest before all men. So I'm not going to say, hey, we got a wonder, we have wonderful singing. We don't have the rock and roll band. So I'm not going to say, we got the rock and roll band, and then they come in and we have the wonderful singing. That's dishonest. It's one thing. So if we're to be the pillar in the ground of the truth, if we're to be sounding out the doctrine, if we're to have this internal ministry of comfort and care and one oneness, one anothering, then we have to be what? Honest about it. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. I love this. Not walking in craftiness. <laughs> Not a salesman. Not trying to, to con or... To, to dupe someone, but rather, here's the word, rightly divided, like it or not. You don't hurt my feelings. You need to understand that. I love that craftiness. Growing up in the city of Chicago, the old North Shore building was downtown, and we used to go down there, and there's a big Baptist church in Hammond, Indiana, that runs busing. One day we were standing out front before church and everything, and there was a young man sitting on the corner, Wilson there. And one of the guys asked him, what you waiting for? He goes, I'm waiting for the church bus. Oh, really? What do they got? Well, they're, they're serving hot dogs today, so we're going. A little crafty, isn't it? Yeah, well, back then, though, you know, street kid, hot dogs, woohoo, let's go. We'll ride the bus, I think, about an hour over or whatever craftiness here's one thing who look at this we got this and 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 it not be well it gets into that nor handling the word of god deceitfully when you handle the word of god deceitfully this by the way this isn't changing the text that's back in chapter two this is making the text say something that it's not saying that's why above the doors when you walk into this there's a placard of Romans 4, what saith the scripture? I don't do a lot of Greek lessons. Why? What's the scripture? You don't read Greek. I don't even read it. So why would I try to act like I did? 
It's dishonest. It's crafty. Here's the truth. Here's what the verse says. Because when you come to the verse, when you come to the Word of God and you, do, and you study and you handle it, you can handle it a lot of different ways, literally. By the way, that's Nehemiah 8. Take the sense of it. That's what you're supposed to do with it. Take it literally. The normal reading, it says what it says. It means what it means. It means what it says. Or you can come, and then you come over, and what do you do? Context is king. What's the context? That's king. Obviously, dispensationally approach it. It's going to say to who it says in the moment. Historical approach. You have to also understand the progressive revelation nature of it. He doesn't always dump all the information at one time. It's progressed over time, even in the prophetic scriptures. And then you also have to take that approach to it that the book will define itself if you just simply keep reading. Because all too times we tend to fall to a definition out of a dictionary or a definition out of Strong's. Strong's is wrong. Sorry. I can prove Strong's is wrong on a phileo love and agape love out of the end of the book of John real quick. It'll destroy your thoughts about Strong's. Now, by the way, I use Strong's. You know why? Because you got them all listed and I can go find them. But when it comes into the text, I can pull out the Oxford English Dictionary. I've got back here in my office. We'll get the magnifier out and I can show you the, all that good stuff. And then we'll go to the text and it'll have a different definition than that dictionary's got. Use them, they're tools, but what do you do? Context is king. Handling the Word of God. How? We're not going to do it deceitfully. We're going to let it say what it says, mean what it means. We're going to adhere to the context. We're going to look at it progressively in the Revelation. By the way, the progressive Revelation, you understand that by the seed of the woman, Genesis 3. Remember? Seed of the woman. Satan's going to be bruised. The seed of the woman became who? The seed of Abraham. That didn't happen in Genesis 3. That happened a long time ago. A long after that in Genesis 12. Then Abraham, that seed became Isaac, not Ishmael. See, progressively we're moving down. We're not just stuck right there. Verse 2, but... Here's what we're to do. We're to teach the Word and, we're, 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 and let the Word, the truth of God's Word, be the issue. Not personality, not attendance, not the offering box, which, by the way, is in the back. But the issue is the teaching of the truth. That is why this place is valuable and to be valued. Oh, I know, but we sit online and we live. But, but that's not valuing this. Because you know what happens when you sit at home and watch on TV, don't you? Phone rings. Coffee runs out. Got to go to the bathroom. Distractions. See, valuing here. By the way, you run over to Ephesians 4, verse 16. That's how the church grows. It's an internal outward thing. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, let every man be uh, the cheerful giving. You're in 2 Corinthians. How does that happen? 
2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. How, does that, how's, how, do you, how do you become a cheerful giver? Well, you value the truth. You value where the truth's being taught. You value where the truth's being stood for. You value that. That's how the offering box is taken, not me railing away about Malachi 3 or 4 and the 10th of this and the 8th of that and the 25th of this. It's by saying what? If you want the truth to be a pillar in the ground in this neighborhood, then there's the value of it. You show that. Okay? 2 Corinthians 1. In thinking about that and the local, the provision, what did God say? God said, "You know what we're going to do? We're going to do the church, the body of Christ. We're going to do all this. We're going to grow people. We're going to do. We're going to have this. We're going to have an organization, and its design is to provide a place for the truth to be authoritatively communicated." I, by the way, we didn't finish that. Go back there to chapter four, real quick. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's what we're doing. And you may say, yeah, but Rick, I disagree. That's okay. The truth isn't commending itself to you at this moment. We're going to continue to do what we do. But Rick, it's just, you're not, you know, you're rude and crude and mean and nasty. That's not the issue. The issue is what? The communicating of the truth. The commending of the truth to every man's conscience. It's okay. I love you guys in the Lord beyond belief, but if you come and say, look, Rick, we're just, we think you're wrong, and we're going to, you're not thinking I'm wrong. You're thinking the book's wrong, by the way, just FYI, but that's okay. But, well, you know, Rick, that's okay. I, there's no, <laughs> there's no hurt feelings on my part. See, what's the issue? The, the preaching of the truth. Because you know who has to stand before the judgment seat of Christ for me? Is me. Not you. You're not going to stand in on my behalf. You're not going to say, here's a character witness that says, and he was rude and crude in 1922. You know, what a, you're not going to do that. I'm going to have to be accountable for me, for what I've taught, and for what I teach, and for what I'm doing, just as you are for you. Well, I think you're wrong. I would rather be wrong. I'd rather think I'm right than wrong, and, you know, I'll let the Lord deal with that. The point is, is that's what the local assembly is doing. Now, in saying all that, look at 2 Corinthians 1, 24, and we'll be done. Because at that seminar, there was a gentleman that I was talking to, and he says, well, I have a ministry verse. I go, Your ministry? you have a verse? And he's like, yeah, something out of Psalms. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So then I got to thinking about me and what I'm doing here as pastor, as founding pastor, as leader. Verse 24 is my verse. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Now, the verse has a context. The context is the Corinthians. They're acting like babies. They're carnal. They're not growing up. Now, they begin to grow. They're beginning to get there. But what they're doing to the Apostle Paul is they're saying, Paul, you're a hypocrite. You say you're going to come and visit, and then you don't. So your yay is a nay, and your nay, so we can't, and he's like, no, if I come there, what's going to happen? 
I'm going to bend you over my knee like a daddy does with a disobedient child, and I'm going to and I don't want that. Read down in chapter 2. I don't want that. So I wrote a letter to you instead. Why? Because I don't want to have dominion over your faith. Because if I come there as a dad and I got to discipline you, that's me telling you what the doctrine should have been telling you all along. You follow? That's the context. I pull it out and I say, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to run your life. Why? Because I got enough problems in my own life to run. You know? I'm married with children, man. I got to, it's good. That's the old line, okay? That's a joke. But what? Keep reading. But are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. You know what I want to be? I want to be a helper of. I got a question. We got questions. We work them through. We get to, to semi-understanding, resolution, whatever. Why? For by faith, what? Ye stand. Because one day, you know what? I'm not going to be here. I may not be there in the moment of your circumstances and situations, and what do you have to fall back on? The truth. Because the truth never... You know what? I may one day say the heck with it, sell out, and go camping all over the world. I'm not here. But what's here? The truth. It's a great thing to come to understand from the Apostle Paul that he understood that he didn't have to be everywhere, but the Word does. And he stood there. So the great provision that we have, that kind of all saints, that kind of little capstone on this provisions that God gives, is this place, the local assembly. Paul tells the Corinthians, we'll go till the money runs out. He's talking to them about giving and so forth. And when the, and when the money's out, we're done. That's been my attitude here. We go till the money runs out and then we're done. Why? Because that's the value. Over the years, I've paid the bills. Now, there's a few more of you, and you guys are helping, and that's a good thing. Okay? Don't get me wrong. Why? Because we didn't have. We didn't even have understanding of that doctrinally. We're what? We're growing, and we're moving. But what motivates that? What motivates Ephesians 4.16? Every joint supplieth, and everything's doing. It isn't me. It's what? It's the truth. It's the doctrine. That's what's valuable. There's the value. Okay? So the great provision of Southwest Bible Fellowship by the Lord, again, isn't me. It's the value of the doc of what we're doing here. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the day. And Lord, I just pray that as we think about these things, as we have some clarity on them, as we come to some understanding on it, that we would allow that wisdom to work down into the details of our lives for your honor and for your glory, that we might walk worthy of you, as Paul exhorts us in Colossians 1. And Lord, I pray for this place, for here, that we would maintain the truth and be gentle and have meekness and understanding and long-suffering, have all the attributes of the, God, of the grace life but never waver on the truth of the word rightly divided. In your name we pray. Amen.